Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Oh my goodness, that was funny. It was like everybody was all buzzing around. They went just like, awkward silence. Awkward silences. We don't like awkward silences. Um, well, like I said, so, uh, so glad that you're here. It's good to see uh, some faces I haven't seen in a while. Some of you have been away. So that's uh, nice. And uh, also, uh, I should give a shout out to my friend, uh, David Fay. David, you're back there. He's leaving today, moving to Texas. So Dave, we're going to miss you, uh, but safe travel, safe journeys. Stay in touch with us, my brother. Um, so we started a new series last week called How to Deal with Difficult People. And uh, I hope, I'm going to encourage you once again that you will take some notes today. You might, I might say something that might be helpful. I don't know. Uh, I try to do that, but you know, I never know how it's going to land. So hopefully you will find this series helpful. I know there's been a lot of uh, discussion, at least I've had some discussion uh, this week. Anybody go home and have some good discussions last Sunday or this week about stuff? Yeah, I see, I see hands around. Good. Hopefully that's helpful for you. Um, we're talking in this series about different types of difficult people and maybe why they're so difficult for us. And I uh, mentioned, I think there's four reasons. There's four reasons uh, why people are difficult for us. First of all, they discourage us, right? They demotivate us, they drain us, and sometimes they really could like derail you. I talked about that. It could be for like an hour, it could be for a day, it could be for a week, it could be a lot longer than that, but see, we're all difficult people, and uh, so we uh, are going to As we go through this uh, series, kind of my approach here is first I want to describe some of the challenges um, that difficult people, uh, you know, why they may be uh, that way. Um, the second thing is we're going to then look at what the Bible says, what they, you know, how we could take what Jesus said maybe and what our own healthy and loving response should be to difficult people in our lives. But thirdly, I'm challenging you all, and myself included, to be aware and to realize that as someone else once said, you are someone else's difficult person. Do you realize that? Are we ready to admit I am someone else's difficult person? Anybody with me on that? Yeah, okay. We know everybody is someone's difficult person. So why am I doing this series? I just wanted to share my heart a little bit uh, today. Don't know that I did that much last week. Um, Because honestly, I'm concerned for the way people treat each other. And it seems like over the past few years especially, it's just gotten worse and worse. How we actually go back and forth with people seems to be this unhealthy trend, these unhealthy uh, things that we have adopted, and I'm concerned about that. 
I'm concerned that we've lost our way. I actually, I'm concerned, and I said this last week, for Christians in particular, people in the church, people who would call themselves followers of Jesus, in a lot of ways, we've lost our way. And I want to call us back uh, to what is the way? What does that look like uh, for us? What does it mean to love people? And third, I am concerned that we have been fed advice or ideas that sound really good about helping, you know, dealing with difficult people in your life, but I'm not sure it's all that biblical or even loving for that matter. I mean, you guys know, sometimes we'll just go to the old thing, you know, we're just going to rid all the toxic people from our life. We just get rid of them. Now, I'm not saying we should never do that. Of course, there are times for that. But I think that's kind of like the last result. That's the last thing we should be doing. So I want to talk through that a little bit today. Here's what else I know, and I touched on this this week, but I think this is a really, really important thing for us to keep in mind. And again, if you're taking notes, you should write this down, think about it, discuss it. But our influence with people is directly correlated to how we treat people. I'm going to say that again. Our influence with people, there's a direct correlation with that for how we treat people. And the way we treat people directly responds to our maturity level. And I'm going to touch on that today. By the way, I will say, I'm fully aware that uh, I, I have to tread lightly because I, I'm not trying to here to offend anybody, but each week somebody's probably going to be offended. I'm just going to put that out there. It's okay. We all, again, we all still love each other. It's all good. Uh, one of the passages in scripture that I'm kind of using as one of my foundations, as one of the bases, is something that we've come to know as uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And I've put it here on the screen because this is kind of in the background for us in this entire series. Because as someone who is trying to follow the way of Jesus, the way of Jesus, who's kind of trying to grow into that, what does that look like? And I'm going to go beyond that and say, even beyond people who would say, I'm a Christian, I'm following God, even for those of you who aren't there, just as normal human beings, this is a list that I think we can all get behind. So this is what scripture says. We need to produce a different kind of fruit, love, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and gentleness, and self-control. And I'm going to have you say that list with me, even though it's going to make some of you cringe. Say this list with me, because this is what we're after. Help me out. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what we're after. And then there's a second underlying passage I talked about last week that I also think is really, really important on both sides. Whether you're the difficult person or whether you're the one dealing with a difficult person, there's these really wise words in this really interesting sermon that Jesus gave. You find it in Luke chapter 6, verse 45, and it says this. What you say flows from what is in your heart. And so last week I said, we need to ask the heart questions. 
We need to ask the heart question. So let me jump in to today. As again, I said last week, we are not going to say names. We could just think them in our heads. Okay? Question for you. Do you have a person in your life that has something to say about everything? Let me just let that sit for a little bit. Do you have a person in your life that has something to say about everything? Let me ask the second question. Do you have a person in your life that even the sound of their voice has become annoying to you? I told you, I'm not trying to offend, but I might. Let me ask you a third question. Do you have a person in your life that always seems to have to one-up you? Today, we are going to talk about what I'm going to call the talker, or the talkers. Now, I want to say, this is a very big bucket, and I want to describe what I'm putting in this bucket. You may put different difficult people in this bucket, but for our purposes today, I'm talking about four people I'm going to describe as the talkers that can become difficult people for us. Number one, I'm going to call them the braggers. The braggers, the ones who want to praise themselves, elevate their experiences. Maybe we'll call them boasters or the one-uppers, okay? I want to talk about dominators, what I'll call the dominators. People who dominate conversations or people who might dominate in a relationship, okay? Three, brawlers. You know the type. The people who love to argue about anything and everything. Four, know-it-alls. People that always think they have the answers. Okay? That's what we're going to talk about today. Braggers, dominators, brawlers, and know-it-alls. All right, so another question for you. This one you can uh, raise your hands on. Um, Do you remember playing on the playground as an elementary school kid? Remember that? So, So I was asking, I was thinking about this question when I was thinking about this talk, and I went down this really crazy rabbit trail. Tom, I need you to help me out because I put some pictures up here. Um, I started looking up playgrounds. Just let this sink in for one second. Moms, and, if you are parent of a mom and dad, I want you to just look at this picture. <laughs> this is a real, actual picture from the 1920s. This is what a playground used to look like. I really would love to know how high that is and what that kid is doing there in that crossbar. And, and I, ju- I just noticed this right now. What is going on with that? Tom, next slide. Do you guys remember this thing? Okay, I went back to the 80s for this one. Uh, this just looks, that's an accident waiting to happen right there. Okay, then there's my favorite, because this was my favorite. The next one, please. I love that reaction. 
And they always look like that, right? They're, they're all the paint falling off. People's heads, legs, you flying up. Used to, we used to rip that thing around. You will not find that on a playground anymore. Tom, here's our playground of today. There we go. Okay, so, so let's just keep the new and improved playground up here for our, uh, the question I want to ask. As a kid, do you remember the conversations that used to happen on the playground? Some of you are kids, you're like, yep, yep. <laughs> I didn't think this one through all the way, I don't think. <laughs> all right, I'm going to try my best here. Um, <laughs> Hold on, I need a drink of water. <sighs> okay, so here, here is, here's the conversations that I remember as a kid on the playground. Well, my dad could beat up your dad. Or, 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 watch me. This is what I can do, right? The playground becomes this really, really interesting dynamic for us, kind of this, uh, this kind of um, baseline for us as we grow older. Now, I also remember, I'll ask another question. Maybe, maybe parents could relate to this. Um, my, my kids are older now, so I haven't heard it as much, but when you're driving kids in the car, when they're younger and they have their friends in the back seat, ever listen to the conversations going on in the back seat? And as a parent, sometimes you start to grip that convert, you know, the uh, the steering wheel tighter because you're just really annoyed at that at that kid in the back seat. That's the friend, you know what I mean? You want to defend your kid. I'm just gonna say, it like, you want to defend your kid in that conversation, but you can't because it's a kid back there. Now it's funny, yes. But I want to fast forward 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and I'm wondering if sometimes the playground conversation has really ever changed for adults. Sometimes I think it's just different because the toys don't look the same, the playground does not look the same. Your stage of life doesn't look the same, but we actually end up having the same kinds of conversations that were playground-type conversations as we got older. And it's because we still have the talkers in our life who are trying to just, you know, give their piece of the world to us. And here's the problem. Here's the problem when we encounter talkers. Number one... Talkers make us feel like what we say doesn't matter that much. We end up losing our voice sometimes when we have talkers in our life. Now, I don't know that they mean for that to happen. I would say they don't because with all of us, we've got blind spots with that, but, but, but we just never get to feel validated for our thoughts, our opinions, our ideas. And we may feel dominated in a conversation or even defeated in a conversation. Here's the second thing I was thinking with talkers is they, sometimes they make us question even our own opinions and our own reasoning for things. In other words, talkers sometimes can make us feel like we're the crazy ones. Um, and my question here is, you know, is there ever an, a, a, a more room for another opinion? Or worse yet, if you're Gen X like me, 
Is it okay to feel completely neutral on a subject? You know, sometimes I think we've lost that. And I want to say to talkers, listen, talkers, you're losing your influence and you're losing your audience. Talkers, you're losing your influence and you're losing your audience. And quite frankly, I think the Bible has a lot to say today. And as we talk about what the Bible says, I want to remind us what we're after here. Well, it's actually who are we trying to be or what are we trying to be? Where are we going with this? What are we striving for? What are we trying to become? What is the goal of growing even in Christ? And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say maturity. Maturity. We're going to look at a whole lot of scripture today. And I'm going to let you digest it on your own. But as we do, one of the words that's going to stick out is this word called wisdom. And it's often in the Bible, when we look at the word wisdom, it's often contrasted with the word fool. Now again, sometimes it might look differently or be interpreted a little bit differently, but this is really what we're talking about. We're talking about the wise person who's growing up to be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, and goodness, and gentleness, and self-control. And the fool is one who's letting those things slip from their life, or ignoring those things. But that's what maturity is, right? Growing in to that, growing into that character that God is asking for us. Maturity is an understanding of what was harmful or inappropriate, maybe like those former playground conversations, and changing our behavior or our words into something that is appropriate and not harmful. So here's what I want to do for the next couple of minutes. I'm just going to read verses, and I know this is the, maybe the, going to be the most boring part because you have to listen to me read it, but that's what I'm going to do. And again, you could take some notes. You should write down the references. I'll give them to you. They are not on the screen because I want you to pay attention. And I kind of divided them up into our four areas. So I have a few for the braggers, a few for the dominators, a few for the brawlers, and a few for the know-it-alls. And I want to look at biblical wisdom here and what the Bible says. And I've turned off into a book called Proverbs, which is a wisdom book in the Old Testament, although there are some others here as well. So let's just get into this. A few verses for the braggers, the boasters, and the one-uppers. Proverbs 27.2 says, Let someone else praise you not your own mouth, a stranger, not your own lips. A bragger at core is praising themselves, praising their accomplishments, praising for what they doing, taking the credit honestly for things that sometimes we don't have any control over and shouldn't be taking credit for anyway. Proverbs 16, 18 says, pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5 says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. 
And again, I want to be really clear. I realize that people who may be difficult people in your life that are the talkers that maybe brag and boast and try to one-up, they probably don't even realize that they're doing it. But if you have the self-awareness to be able to say, oh, maybe, maybe I'm just taking a little bit too much praise for this thing. I'm going to move on to a group of verses for maybe those who dominate a conversation or who maybe dominate to get their way in a relationship or whatever. Proverbs 26, 17. Again, you could write these down. These are also online in our notes section. Proverbs 26, 17. Interfering in someone else's argument is as foolish as yanking a dog's ears. And that might sound like a little bit weird of a verse to put in here, but the truth is, is that dominators will just charge in to something, even if it's not their own sometimes, right? And the Bible says, that's a foolish way of letting your voice be heard. It becomes more like a power thing at this point. Here's some interesting verses. Proverbs 17, verse 28. I love this verse. Even fools... Okay, so even if you're not all the way there, okay, we're still working, as a lot of us are, right? Even fools are thought-wise when they keep silent. With their mouths shut, they seem intelligent. <laughs> Listen, what I want to point out here with these verses that I'm reading is the Bible is very direct sometimes, and we just kind of maybe we'll skip it or we kind of... But it has words of wisdom for all of us. All of us. Proverbs 18.2. Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. God says, don't be fools. Be as wise. Yes, it's okay to have opinions. You're entitled to those opinions. But be very, very careful of how you assert those in a conversation or even in a relationship. I'm going to move on to a couple of verses for what I'm calling the brawlers. People who seem to fight about everything. And here's the interesting thing about brawlers. Sometimes, I don't, I, sometimes people will fight just for the sake of fighting. They don't even believe it themselves. Right? We know. We have people like this in our life. We know this. I see the heads nodding. Proverbs 20, verse 3 says, Avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. Only fools insist on quarreling. In Proverbs 13, 10, the first part of it says, Pride leads to conflict. He says, you know what is at the heart of you wanting to brawl in every conversation? You have pride. You have pride. And it's always going to lead to conflict. That's biblical wisdom. Finally, a couple verses for those who tend to come off as know-it-alls. Proverbs 3 verse 7 says, Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Again, just think about that. You could make your own determinations and have your own conversations outside of church. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. 
Or Proverbs 12, 23 says, the wise don't make a show of their knowledge. Fools broadcast their foolishness. Do you see the difference? The Bible, I said this last week, when we talk about difficult people, it's always going to show up in one or two ways, it's or both. It's going to be your words that we have issues with, or someone's actions that we have issues with. Your words or your actions, and no matter what it is, remember what God says, what Jesus said. What comes out of your mouth and the things that you do is always going to be a reflection of what's going on inside your heart. Maybe there's people in here today that are struggling with that pride thing. And we're going to talk about maybe a couple reasons for that in a few minutes. Braggers, dominators, brawlers, and know-it-alls. There seem to me, when I look at those verses, there seem to be a couple of common themes going on here. And I'd like just to assert, now I'm not a psychologist, I'm just trying my best to, again, uh, to highlight what I can see, maybe where this could be coming from. And here's what I would say with talkers. Talkers have a deep need to be accepted. A deep need to be accepted. Therefore, they feel compelled to prove or to show their worth, often in their words, and why is this? You know, you start asking what some of the deeper questions. And it's really, some, at some point, it's insecurity. What is that insecurity? Maybe the most insecure group of people that we talk about in this series. But the Bible is abundantly clear. It ends up looking foolish. So another verse I thought might be helpful as we think about this today Hebrews 4.12, some of you might know this verse. It says, the word of God, the scripture, the Bible, the biblical truth that we're looking at. The word of God is alive and active. Let me stop for a second. Sometimes people will say, hey, you know what? The Bible's old. It really doesn't apply today. There's not a whole lot there for me today. It's kind of old-fashioned. It applied back then. Maybe not so much now. Well, let me say, my Bible says it is alive and active today. It is relevant today. So what, he goes on. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to the dividing of soul and sparrow, uh, sorry, soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The picture here, the Bible is relevant. And it's almost sometimes, like the verses I read today, it seems so direct. It kind of pierces you right where you need to be pierced sometimes. It gets right into the heart of the matter and the soul of the matter. And it starts to shake things up and to mess things up for you because you've been leaning on this way your whole entire life. And then finally it says, it judges, the end of that verse, it says, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So for me, biblical wisdom, for all of us, particularly those of us who are trying to follow the way of Jesus, this is really important for us to stop again and to think, how am I doing in this area? Have I crossed that line into the bragging, the boasting, the constant one-upping? Have I crossed that line into dominating conversations and even maybe dominating relationships? 
Have I crossed that line into it seems like I need to fight about everything and I need to stop myself with that? Or can I come across as a know-it-all? As we kind of are wrapping up, I want to say this. I told you, you know, the four things that I think why we struggle with difficult people. One of the things here for me is I think what we deal with when we talk about difficult talkers in our life, what it is, the word for me is drain. It feels draining to me. It's not so much like last week with critics where it kind of feels personal. It's more like, it's more like a drain. I don't want to do this again. I don't want to sit through this again. I want to be able to say what I need to say. This is less about something done to you. Maybe it's more of a general drain on our emotions and our self-worth. Maybe it's more of a general sense of disappointment with people that we really love and want to be in relationship with. And so I just love to give five ways, maybe, that we can deal with talkers in our lives. Again, these are just my five. You might end up having a different five. That's okay. I'm trying to prompt discussion and try to shed light on something about why we may be feeling certain ways. But here are the five things that I think about. First of all, I want all of us to understand as we deal with this kind of difficult person in our life that the struggle of the talker comes from a deep and hidden place. We might not real, we, we might kind of just pass over that because we're emotional in the moment. But really, this comes from a deep and hidden place. Sometimes they don't see it themselves. And I want us to be aware of that as we deal with talkers in our lives. Number two, we need to stay humble. We have nothing to prove. I want to say this again. Stay anchored in who you are in Christ. Sometimes the very best thing to do is to not say anything at all. Stay humble. Number three, don't get sucked in to the back and forth. Think about it now. Think about, I want you to think about the interactions you've had with people in your life who have, who, who again, they may be know-it-alls or braggers or boasters or brawlers. You just recent conversations because I'm sure, I'm confident they're in this room. And I guarantee you, you got sucked into that. Uh, a couple years ago, um, and again, no names. I was in a, a conversation, I was at a, at a dinner. There's a bunch of people around the table and um, I knew we were kind of tiptoeing around landmines in a conversation and I'm telling myself over and over again, I'm not going to say anything. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. Tom, what do you thought? No. I have no thoughts. Not going to do it. Not going to do it. And a couple of the asks became, Tom, we need to know what you think about this. And I'm telling you, it's like you could replay it in your mind. And even I had every best intention, I said, okay, this is what I think. Because I did have an opinion on it. I always have an opinion. And it was just like, I got sucked in. And all of a sudden, the conversation blew up. And I tried my best. I did. It's so hard to not get sucked in to the back and forth. But I'm going to challenge us. We do not have to get involved in every conversation. Number four, 
This might sound strange, but I want you to think it through. I really think there's something to be said in validating the talker in our lives when we can. Validate the talker when we can. When we get the chance to acknowledge their experiences, I I think that's a really, really good thing. It allows you to begin to have a quiet influence in the talker's life. Maybe you need to reframe some of your validation, what that looks like. Maybe frame it more about the, what was the good that came out of that thing, not so much how you did it or how good you are because you did it that way. But what was the good? Oh, that must, that must have been a really good thing for the people in your classroom. But it's important to understand validation is important. We're talking with people who are hurt and insecure. And in five, anchor your worth in God. This is another theme I'm going to kind of keep back, going to keep coming back to. When we deal with difficult people, we must know who we are in Christ. I cannot say that loud enough. Anchor who you are in God. You are not responsible to your neighbor. You are responsible first to God and then to your neighbor. And what he has said about you, what he has for you, what he wants to do through you. And understand this too. There are people in your life for a reason. And you have the ability to be influenced wherever you are. We do something called, um, we've hosted for the last several years, something called the Global Leadership Summit. I really, really, really hope that you will consider going this year. It's going to be later this summer in August. We'll talk more about that. But one of the things is, is everyone's a leader. Why? Because you have influence. You can have influence is right where you are. Leadership is influence. Understand the struggle comes from a deep and hidden place. Number two, stay humble. Three, don't get sucked into the back and forth. Four, validate when you can. And five, anchor your worth in God. And when I look back at the fruit of the Spirit, that anchor passage for us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faith, self-control. I see two things for me in dealing with people, and actually on both sides. Number one is that word self-control. And number two, kindness. Maybe number three, peace. As much as possible, there's a verse in the Bible that says, as much as possible, strive to be at peace with all people. So here's the takeaways for today. For those of you who might say, you know what? I'm kind of that talker and I might be someone's difficult person. I'm going to say this to you. Aim to please God, not people. Figure out where the root of that is coming from for you. And I'm going to tell you right now, probably it's in something about self-affirming from other people that you need. Find that in God first, not people. For those of us who are dealing maybe with this kind of difficult person in our life, I'm going to say this. Anchor and validate. Anchor and validate. Keep anchoring in to who God is. Is calling you to be. Keep anchoring into the truth of Scripture. Keep anchoring into those traits that He wants us to bear fruit with. Invalidate where you can. 
show and tell people their worth. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for just how, how powerful and insightful your word is. God, it is relevant to today. God, I hope that we've stirred up more conversations today, healthy conversations with people in our lives or our spouse or our friends, our life groups. Because God, we do have influence and this world needs our influence. It needs our light. God, we need to make sure the filter of our heart is pure and right. And so, God, it's good to be reminded today. God, what, what I said that was um, not helpful, may people just remove it right out. May they forget it. But, God, we're, um, I can be helpful. God, I pray that that would kind of take anchor and root in our souls today. I thank you for every person in this room, every person online right now. I want to thank you for their life. Give them today a very unique sense of purpose and grace and gratitude for what you've done, not what they've done, for what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.